Welcome to the Smoke and Rope Podcast, the show that brings together Michigan's top cannabis growers, advocates, and business owners to offer a fresh and honest perspective of Michigan's cannabis industry. Stick with us to get the lowdown from the people who have been on the ground floor of cannabis business in Michigan and gain insights into where the industry may be heading. Welcome to the Smoke and Rope Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Basor. And today is episode 64, and I can't believe this is the first time we've had Michael Kamorn on the show. Seems like we would have had him on a few times by now, but Michael, thanks for finally being on. Excited to talk to you today. My pleasure. It's been hard uh, getting through and getting booked on the show. I know how uh, successful it is, and it is the podcast to be on. (laughs) Thank you very much. Uh, um, Kevin, over at uh, True Cannabis, what's happening in Lansing? Oh, not much. Just running around a little bit today. Super excited to have uh, Michael Kamorn on. I've never uh, actually got a chance to meet Michael in person, but uh, I've read about him. He's been influential in a lot of the uh, most prominent marijuana cases in the state of Michigan. And so I'm super excited to kind of dig into his mind and hear about some of the things he's been involved in. Very cool. Yeah, we're definitely going to get into that. And then uh, Tom Bell over at Real Leaf, as uh, we're going to talk about uh, Canna Jam today. And uh, Tom's a, a giant part of that, too. Oh, yeah. I'm excited to get into that. And uh, we're really happy that Michael reached out to Real Leaf Solutions to, uh, you know, to assist with this year's uh, event, man. We're really excited to talk about that, too. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I just wanted to give Michael like the, the introduction he, des- uh, he deserves. Uh, I first knew of Michael in 2009. He was the, uh, the, the man behind the, the MMMA, the Michigan Medical Marijuana Association, and the website that... Uh, Really, I was uh, I was starved for marijuana information in 2009. I was looking anywhere, and I found the website, and that's where you know a lot of the people were on that you we read about, like all the a lot of the first timers of the new wave in 2009. So, learned about Michael from there. But then you know moving forward, every event, every protest, um, like like Kevin mentioned, a lot of different uh, court prominent prominent court cases. You know, just recently with Michael Tui and the probation that we we had Michael on the show. Obviously, the the, the state police crime lab, which I talk about, um, uh, and we're gonna get into that a little bit today. But just really uh, an incredible activist. We call him the Pod Father as well. He's the original podcast. Uh, uh, don't let him fool you about ours. He's been doing it for over a decade and uh, planted green trees. So, Michael, it's uh, it's always great uh, to talk to you. Don't talk enough. And uh, thanks for being such uh, an activist, uh, you know, that we needed over these years. So why don't we talk about Canna Jam? Um, you know, we, we mentioned it. Give it the proper introduction, Michael. And uh, I'm excited that some of the proceeds go to the Redemption Foundation as well. Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate uh, those kind words, and uh, you likewise uh, have been a pivotal factor. You're unfortunately one of the tragedy stories, as we know, and I'm sure you've talked about as as a Lansing Seven. And uh, you know, um, there's been a lot of those stories, and unfortunately, I've been involved with them. But um, it is different times now, and uh, we're excited about this Canna Jam. And in a way, I, I, I like to think of the Canna Jam as the uh, pinnacle of, of success that we've gotten to. The uh, It's a representation of the state of Michigan's desire to want to legalize recreational cannabis for adults over the age of 21, treat it no different than alcohol. 
And uh, we are very excited about the event. I, I can't say enough about uh, Tom and Real Leaf uh, Solutions. Um, Tom says we reached out to him. When I when I found out he was interested, I was excited. I, Tom obviously is uh, not just a, uh, a business owner of a licensed cultivation center, but he's the man, uh, the legend of Echoes of Pink Floyd, who uh, signed on and... Uh, I was just excited to learn that they were excited to be part of it. I, I, that's a secret. I didn't tell him about that, but he uh, made it very easy to engage with them, and and they are going to be uh, headlining and finishing off the show probably from about 7, 7.30 to 10 o'clock with their magical uh, covers of all the Pink Floyd classics, which include a uh, light show. So we, I, I just can't tell you how excited I am about that. That, that in and of itself should bring people out and uh, make it exciting. But um, the event itself is um, is a new endeavor, I you know for me at least, and uh, it's of course a licensed event. I've had this marijuana event organizer license for a few years now, and unfortunately because of the COVID, we haven't been able to gather. And uh, I think the timing is right for something like this, especially in light of all the lockdown and inability to have events, to see live music, to gather as humans and. You know, spacing ourselves, being outside, and 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 bring in using music, food, cannabis, and uh, humans gathering and enjoying all that together as the main theme. So we are beyond excited, and uh, and I appreciate you asking about it and helping us to get the word out. Oh, for sure. Well, and now, well, let's hear from uh, from Tom, our own Tom Beller and uh, let us know about his history with uh, the band and. Uh, and your thoughts on it. I know there'll be a Relief product there yeah. as well, and Botanical. Oh, yeah, we're certainly hoping so, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, two of my favorite things in the world, my previous life uh, as a full-time musician and event producer uh, and lighting technician, doing laser light shows, working festivals, uh, until we jumped on this full-time cannabis uh uh, endeavor and that kind of slowed things down with music and the band kind of slowed down playing gigs and we this is our first show in two years and everyone is so excited um, you know, it's an eight-piece band it's been around since 2004 I joined in 2000 that might be wrong if somebody's wants to correct me down below if you're paying attention uh, but uh, I joined the band in 2007 2008 and uh, the band has evolved since then uh, and we have some of the best musicians in the state of Michigan, and we even have somebody coming up from Cincinnati to play. And uh, the, the band's super stoked. I mean, we COVID really put everyone into a funk with, with the arts kind of going away. Uh, that only made things worse. So, you know, Canada Jam's a perfect celebration for, you know, first of all, celebrating the fact that we can openly consume and act like the, the, the freaking adults that we always have been when it comes to what's a responsible way to consume things that you enjoy in an open space with other people with, you know, like minds. And, uh, you know, the fact that we can do this uh, is is reason enough to celebrate. So, I mean, Pink Floyd, cannabis, lasers. I mean, I can't, I can't think of a better combination. Plus, there's going to be other great artists there. You know, we have comedy. We have more music. We have Darren McCarty. Uh, and, you know, other things, you know, on-site consumption, of course, yeah, there will be Real Leaf products there also, which we're also excited about. Uh, the green room, I'm very excited about, because <laughs> typically we'd have coolers of beer, anything that we wanted, but uh, it was never, 
you know, the cannabis we always had to hide somewhere, you know. So uh, now we get to celebrate. So. That's that's incredible. You mentioned uh, the the other acts, uh, uh, Tom and Michael. I know it starts at noon. Uh, it's October 9th. It's a Saturday. It's in, in Ypsilanti. Um, and there's some, some big big name comedians and, and other music. And then there's also, um, you know, part of the proceeds go to the John Sinclair Foundation and also the Redemption Foundation. Tell us some about uh, the sponsors and uh, the people vending and uh, what this what it's been like. Because this is one of the first ones. There's been a few, but, uh, you know, you're, you're new at event planning, you said. But uh, it's got to be quite a process and experience. It has been. Um First of all, I appreciate you being involved, Ryan. And as you mentioned, uh, proceeds are going to be directed towards the Redemption brand as well as John Sinclair. Um, John Sinclair, we're attending, and Ryan Bassler will be in the VIP tent. And for those that want to uh, engage in cannabis use with those two people in the VIP tent, they can be assured they will be there. Um, it has been an interesting process. The other vendors that signed on all had a similar excitement as a Tom represented. And those were the people we were really looking for. Those that saw the idea, saw the vision, liked the ideas that were associated and wanted to be part of it. And those, those uh, uh, retailers are um, Sticky Yipsy, a botanical company, um, Oz Cannabis and uh, Pure Lapeer. Those are the uh, vendors that are going to be there. The, uh, I understand they're going. They're they're going to be providing us with a menu, so those that are attending can in advance see what kind of products are going to be there, and even identify what uh, they may want to purchase or what they may want to test or try. Um, the other uh, fun and exciting things about the event are going to be, um, and I really went about this with the idea that we would, this would be the inaugural comedy festival. I don't want to take away any of the excitement of Tom and Pink Floyd, and I hope they are returning every year until we're, you know, until we're too old to do it. But I do like the idea and the piece of having a, a comedy festival that brings uh, jokes, humor, good times, um, you know, in that kind of setting and, and create a kind of artist uh, comedy place where people can look forward to seeing the top can uh, comedians next year and the years to come. This year, uh, our headline comedian is a, individual by the name of Mike Young, who I've known for a long time, I actually went to elementary school with him, and it may sound that I'm biased thinking that he's funny. He was the kind of class clown and, you know, Mr. Everybody growing up and whatnot. And, um, but he is, uh, he's been involved with a lot of uh, different projects. He was, uh, he was on the um, Entourage series a number of times. He tours as a comedian with Bob Saget. I would put him in the orbit of, uh, you know, he's in the orbit of Bill Burr and whatnot. I, there's a couple links of him on this podcast and whatnot. And I'm and also he's currently in Detroit because he's filming a movie that's being um, financed by Dan Gilbert. It's a movie called uh, Stealing Jokes, and it's going to be out later this year. And I anticipate when he goes on the road, he'll run into Bill Burr and Chappelle and tell them how great Ypsilanti was and how they have to play it next year, how... The crowd was great. They laughed at all the jokes. And um, and we're hoping it becomes a uh, staple of Michigan uh, gathering of comedians year after year. And uh, Michigan doesn't really have something like this. Call it like the, um, the um, you know, 
uh, what do you call I can't think of the name of it, but the, uh, the like the movie festivals that we've heard of and know about, but creating one here in Ypsilanti, you know, the uh, Sundance, like a Sundance Film Festival, the Ypsilanti Comedy Festival. That's that's what I'd like this to turn into. Um, so those are the uh, those are the acts. We also have uh, Darren McCarty, of course, uh, his slapstick comedy tour, uh, which is hilarious. It tells a lot of great stories. We have uh, another uh, artist by the name of Randy Kaplan who will be playing a uh, Bob Dylan cover set. Randy's a very talented musician. He is actually, uh, you know, recording artist. His his shtick has been that he uh, records like classic songs, but intersects uh, lyrics for kids and you know he's got like you know everybody poos songs and you know don't eat the chips and brush your teeth songs to like old robert johnson or you know whatever he's got all kinds of, it's a great great thing but he's going to wave all the kid stuff and he's going to play some uh, cover music for us uh and bob dylan themes and we'll have a dj there and um we're excited about it there's a lot that goes into it i mean the there's a lot of extras because it's a state license event. I mean, all the things that one would need to think about and, and accomplish are kind of built into the rules and licensing. You know, there's, you know, we have to have security and we got to have, you know, people from the state there and all the things that are going to make it a safe, enjoyable experience are, are kind of built into it. But uh, it's uh, it's been an interesting experience and uh, it's coming together nice. And we're hoping a lot of people show up and want to uh, engage with us. Yeah, no, I'm 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 excited for it. It's something that we've been dreaming about since I've uh, you know known you. I, I, we're, we've, a lot of us, we always used to sit around and talk about this type of stuff and what we'd like to see. And you know, Michael, you're obviously a huge part of getting us to to prop one and 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 the whole process with with all of that. So uh, it's I, it's exciting. I like the fact that it's you doing it uh, and that's Tom involved and it's myself and there's a lot of the great provisioning center. So I hopefully a lot of people come out. I'm going to be there. I think it's going to go well. And like you said, like get people used to it and have it the inaugural run and uh, let's do it every year and make it make it bigger, like you said. And uh, so super excited thanks for letting me about be a part of it uh with that i i'm uh i want to ask you a, a question and go over you were the attorney on the old uh state forensic crime lab case with uh ken stecker at pam who you know i used to be in meetings with in 2010 when we were part of cpu so uh just watching all that and then also uh greg Mashad with the michigan state police now with veritas labs and then the ag's office oh shooty so put a lot of uh good people in jail took kids away um you know i guess if you could kind of give a a quick summary of of what happened and uh um how you came to uh to foyan and kind of breaking breaking the case for sure and uh unfortunately i don't know that 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 event has cleared the way of the inherent problems that exist and still exist with the forensic science division of the Michigan State Police hashtag uh, crime factory. And I say that because uh, despite all the things that were exposed in that case, the current status of the Michigan State Forensic Science Division is that it hasn't changed. The Forensic Science Division is housed by the Michigan State Police. The forensic scientists get paid by the Michigan State Police's budget. This is the problem. A scientific lab should be independent. It shouldn't have favors, favoritism. It shouldn't be 
inclined to testify favorably uh, to one side or the other. They should be neutral and they should be about science, not convictions. And uh, the Max Lorenz case, unfortunately, is uh, a, a, an example of what happens when you have this inherent bias and uh, influence being made by the law enforcement uh, community. So the Max Lorenz case is, uh, the context of the timing is very important. What had happened is, if we all remember, there was a question about what usable marijuana meant. And uh, there was a terrible opinion that came out, the uh, Earl Carruthers case, who I happened to represent at the time, where they found in the Court of Appeals that uh, the marijuana brownies were not considered usable marijuana because there was no visible plant material in the uh, substance that was being tested. And um, their ruling essentially said that uh, non plant material marijuana was not usable and therefore illegal. And um, ultimately, the legislature changed this and they amended the MMA and it applied retroactively. So that ruling was meaningless because if it affected someone, the law said that that effect should be removed. And uh, But there was a lot of convictions at the time. Now, this has nothing to do with what the crime lab did but they used it as an opportunity to get this discussion going amongst themselves. And we had, and, and how I learned of this was that Max Lorenz was a patient living in uh, Ottawa County. Uh, the police had been called to come to his house. His wife had an illness when they were attending to her, or, or EMS, the police showed up. When they were attending to her, they found an empty uh, container with a smudge of what was wax. They seized it. It wasn't even enough to use. It was just like leftover remnants. They seized it, took it to the lab, and the lab reported that this substance was synthetic THC. Synthetic THC. The, um, the law at the time was that synthetic THC was a seven-year felony, and the possession of marijuana was a misdemeanor. So the, so the importance of this was that the lab, by finding that it was synthetic THC, raised the criminal liability for Max Lorenz to a seven-year felony from what would have been a potential misdemeanor and something he could defend with his card or be immune from the charges because of his card. So this was remarkable to me, and we ended up uh, getting a FOIA of all the communications that were taking place between the lab and anyone else with this topic. And you see this uh, a remarkable conversation that takes place between people in the Michigan State Police with people in the Michigan State uh, Forensic Science Division and other prosecutors, including Ken Stecker. And the conversation begins, and they're passing this information around. I have a series of probably 50, 100 emails where they begin with the Carruthers and, and kind of use that to open up the discussion. And, you know, some of the lab people are, oh, we're getting a lot of samples sent to us and I'm not seeing any marijuana. We don't know if it's marijuana. We don't see any flower or, or leaf material, plant material. So we don't know if it's marijuana or it is, uh, you know, synthetic THC that's in it. We can't delineate. We don't see it. And uh, there was two scientists that uh, in the conversation that stood up. I mean, they didn't really stand up. I'm reading this, but their voice was one that to me was standing up saying, wait a second, I love science. We're not going to let this happen. 
And they went on to describe, we know that this is marijuana. We know it's not synthetic THC. We know it's marijuana because from our own GCMS, the machine that they use to test the substance, because that's what they do. They put it in a machine that is reliable and it gives them data. And they look at the data and it shows that there's THC in it. And they're saying that we're not sure where this THC came from. And what this lab person said, um, his name was, uh, I'll think of it in a second, but he said, we, we know that this is marijuana because all you have to do is turn the page of the data that comes out of the GCS machine and you can see it's got CBD, CBA, CBG, and all these other cannabinoids in it. And if it was synthetic, those things wouldn't be in there. And the suggestion that this is synthesized by an individual and they knew how to synthesize CBD and CBG and CBA and would even think about inserting it into synthetic THC is ridiculous. It doesn't happen. It wouldn't, it isn't scientifically possible. Furthermore, they said there's never been a raid ever in the state of Michigan that uncovered a THC making lab. This is ridiculous. We have concerns that we will jeopardize our scientific, you know, credibility. And worse yet, they don't want to, the, the Bradley Choate was the guy's name. He did not want to participate, did not want to participate in the uh, process because he was concerned that citizens of Michigan would be convicted of felonies when they should not have been. And um, that was the state of affairs that, uh, did you guys hear me about Bradley Choate, the scientist of his reasoning? So his reasoning was, there's never been a raid in the state of Michigan where we've uncovered a, a synthetic yep. lab. The data that is being produced yep. by this GCMS is, is evidence of it. And he had concerns that the the person whose material they were testing would be convicted of a felony when the laws in Michigan provided a immunity or or a misdemeanor at most. So um, so that was the status of these emails and whatnot. Uh, we ended up getting filing motions in the circuit court. And I will tell you this, at the district court, despite the fact that the lab report said it was synthetic uh, THC, the bind over from the district court judge was on a marijuana charge, which makes no sense. And just goes to show you how nobody cares, no one cared to look and no one wanted to address that at the district court level. We were lucky enough to have a reasonable judge at the circuit court and we filed our motions and the court addressed it and ultimately dismissed the case. Um, but that wasn't the end of it because we, uh, the worst part was that Max's child uh, was, was seized by the uh, government in a CPS action, alleging that Max was a substance abuser for his cannabis use. And, um, and they, they ran with the whole synthetic THC thing as long as they could. The other downside of this, and this is still a problem in Michigan regarding CPS. You guys may have heard that story of the couple from Michigan that ended up in Alabama, got arrested for possession of marijuana and had their kid taken. I, I jumped in on that case and represented Erica Prock is her name. And uh, after they took the kid in Alabama, brought it back to Michigan, Michigan still wanted to keep the kid and wouldn't return it to her, claiming she had a substance abuse problem because of her husband's uh, medical cannabis use. So what I, this problem with CPS still exists, but it it is uh, it's still prevailing, and you still have courts and judges that are not returning children because of the stigma of cannabis use, even by patients. 
But Max's case was even worse because there was a scenario that uh, was uh, un un unveiled to us, which is this. At some point in Michigan's history, the DHSS, which handles the CPS and, and management of uh, Child Protective Services, had contracted in different jurisdictions with, uh, with religious organizations that have deeply held religious beliefs. The, the one that we were doing was Bethany Christian Services. There's a Holy Cross organization as well. And they are literally the, the people in charge of CPS. They're the workers that uh, intervene and investigate complaints are from Bethany Christian Services or Holy Cross. If there's a uh, adoption or if there's a removal temporarily, they will place the child with another family that's part of the Bethany Christian Services religious organization. They've been vetted. They believe in, you know, that God and that those religious principles, and they've been cleared to take in uh, children that have been removed from homes. So I had never encountered this as a lawyer. I think has been practicing 24 years at that time. I'm at like 30 now, but. Uh, we got into court and I was asking questions of the worker in the CPS case who had recommended the removal. And this is not uncommon. She's probably 25 years old. She had a, uh, a bachelor's degree in, you know, you know, uh, something, you know, social services, something, no, no kind of PhD, not someone that was, uh, had a, a long history of human experiences, adult experiences, kids or, or what have you. But she was the one in power who was making all the recommendations. When I finally got on the stand, I asked her, what about this CPS manual? What about the law in Michigan? What about the card? What about the state law that protects parents who are in compliance with the MMA from Child Protective Services? And you know what she said to me? She said, we don't have to follow that. We don't have to follow the law in the state of Michigan. And I realized I was dealing with an argument that didn't deal with secular law, but I was dealing with an argument that I had to undo her religious beliefs because the edict that is believed by Bethany Christian Services is that under no circumstances will cannabis ever be acceptable, whether it's legal, whether it's medical, we are against it. And if someone's using it, we're going to remove the child. Well, I hope they don't read the Bible then because uh, <laughs> it's in there. That's, that's no, I, I, uh, that's a rough one, Michael. That's a rough one. I'm you know, think about that. Uh, you know, I'm about to have uh, my newborn here in about five weeks, so I'm sure we all think about it. Uh, with, with that, man, hey, I know you guys are, you and Tom are big stars today on a, a lot of podcasts and promos, so we have a hard out here in a couple of minutes. I just wanted to let uh, these guys uh, let us, you know, say goodbye and thank you for being on. So, Kevin? Yeah, Michael, you know, I share your frustration with the Michigan State Police. I, when I got into to lobbying, you know, I, I, uh, I, I realized that they have a, uh, a, a lobbying firm that's there uh, at the state at all times putting their hands on legislation and things like that, which I don't believe is their position as our protectors. Um, and secondarily, uh, like you had mentioned, all the interpretations of law that get, get told publicly, uh, you know, the lockbox in your car, uh, all, all these different things that uh, are never addressed until someone like you comes along and challenges them. Uh, I, I'm in total disagreement with that. So I'm glad we have people like you uh, coming through the pipes and, and challenging them on these issues. Um, I'm, I'm glad that uh, from all the stories that we've heard today that you're addressing this stuff as we move forward because uh, we need people like you. And I, I appreciate you. Glad to have you on the show today. My pleasure. I got, you know, I just getting warmed up. I was about to, but 
50 more minutes of material. I'll have to come back at another time and work <laughs> on that. For sure. For sure. We'd love that. That would be incredible. For sure. Yeah, yeah Michael, thank you for always fighting the good fight, man. Uh, I'm so excited to be working with you up for the Canna Jam Fest. Also, just a little last plug here, October 9th, right? Riverside Park, Ypsilanti. And right. uh, it's going to be a celebration because... Despite all the all the struggles we still have, we, we still need to take time to celebrate how far we have come. And we couldn't have come this far without people like you, man. That's right. And Ryan, you're you're an example also. Like it is it's gonna be exciting and uh, triumphant when we share at the event and how far we've come. You know, where things were four, five, six years ago. It's been uh we got a long way to go, but it is a point in time that I think it's worthy of uh, stopping and celebrating and joining uh, as a community. You know, the other thing is that in the divisive times that we're living in, cannabis is one of the few issues that permeates political lines. You know, the, it wouldn't have become legal if both sides of the political spectrum didn't vote for it. It would not have happened. So I do think that with all the you know, infighting amongst the, our communities, it's easy to say that people would join uh, over cannabis and it's it's less uh, contentious and, and certainly a gel that brings people together. I think we would all all agree about that. And that's a great point, Michael. If, if we, if we uh, you know, all smoke, smoke to join and talk to each other face to face and, you know, looked at each other that way, that's a, that's a, that hopefully we get to do a lot more of that and that'll, that'll help all that. But not to get too philosophical, I want to thank uh, Michael for being on and excited about Canada Jam. Uh, you know, we're all going to be there, uh, and um, we will have you back on, Michael. Just uh, you know, like could have talked for hours, go down memory lane, and you know, it's people like uh, like you and you know Josh Colbert and Bill Dory, Matt Abel, and then a ton of others who who got out on uh, ahead of us and been. Really, for a decade, it was the attorneys that were the activists and, and got us here and, you know, did it because it was right. I know you you took a lot of L's on a lot of retainers and, and always followed through. So thanks for being on. And with that, I hope to see everybody at Canna Jam. See, see you guys next week. CannaJamFest.com. Tickets available on Eventbrite. The Smoke and Rope Podcast is produced and hosted by me, Ryan Basor, the owner of Redemption Cannabis. Have ideas for episode topics or would like to be a guest on the show? Contact us at ryanb at redemptioncanna.com. Thanks for being along for the journey.